we are just coming off the back of last week. Now, last week we finished a series called This Must Be Stronger Than That. And what this series was looking at was that there's um, formational work that needs to happen for us as disciples to grow in the ways of Jesus. That it doesn't just happen, but that to grow up in God, robust in love, as Ephesians 4.16 puts it, requires some mahi, it requires some practices, it requires some work. It uh, doesn't, doesn't mean that, you know, that this, uh, uh, this work is a thing of salvation with God. God loves us and mercifully makes space for all of us. But to grow in Him, to disciple, actually takes work. It takes practices. It takes putting ourselves into some spaces where that work can happen. And so this week, because we finished our series last week, and because we have um, All In next Sunday, and All In is a different moment, and it's a Christmas moment, we just wanted to take... Every now and then we get these little special moments as a community to have like a one-off talk, just a standalone moment, just to say a few things that are important. And that's one of those talks today. Today I'm sharing a talk called Sabbath as Delight. Because fundamentally, for me, this practice of Sabbath has been one of those growing up spaces where a lot has happened with me and God. And I'm going to tell you a bit of that story today. And I'm also just going to teach a little bit on what Sabbath is and what it isn't and how we can go into our summer and have a formative experience of rest with God, growing up in Him, robust in love. So let me pray one more time. Let me pray for us as we come to this moment, and then uh, we're going to dig into it. And that's not because Gab's prayer before wasn't valid or anything. Just, you know, it was, uh, just wasn't valid. It was just <laughs> parenting prayers. They're a very different reality. Jesus, we come to you as our, as our teacher and as our rabbi. You are our good Lord. And we come to you because you have the words of life. And Lord, in our experience of being together as a community, gathered around you now for a couple of years, we can faithfully say that your way is good. And so we come with ears to hear. We come with eyes to see. We come with a heart yearning to believe. Lord, transform us today, we pray. As we come to your scriptures, as we come to your teaching, we ask that you would illuminate to us some new things of the way of Jesus today, here in our midst. Amen. Amen. So, I want to start with a story for the first bit, and then we'll do some teaching. So let's start with a story. The year is 2015. And in 2015, it is our first year of planting this community. Uh, the way that that looked back then was not some multi-gathering Sunday like this and, and a premises in the city and uh, street feeds and gratis and prayer meetings and all the things that have kind of become the routine and the rhythm of who we are as a community. Back then, it was quite simple. It was just some friends meeting in a lounge. And it was just a really simple and organic thing. We were just simply getting together once a month having some food, praying, asking God what he was doing with us, and dreaming. And as that year progressed, we started to meet in a hall, uh, in a cafe, and then we met in a hall. And by the end of 2015, at the very end of the year, we gave it a crack for six weeks to see if we could try out doing church, for real. So we hired Auckland Normal Intermediate School Hall, and for the six weeks of the last bit of November and December, before Christmas, we gave it the best shot we could. Like, let's see if we can actually do this. And if it doesn't work, we'll just pull out at Christmas time, and we gave it a try. 
And so we finished 2015 having spent a lot of time and energy and hard work uh, planting this church. Um, I labored with a builder. I did some website builds as a graphic designer. I did anything I could to try and put food on the table because we were out giving this a go and there was no safety net holding us. It was just like, let's give this a try. We're stepping into what God has for us. Let's see how this goes. So that was a big year as we learned how to pastor a community in formation. It was also a big year because it was the year that we became a parent. Um, not for Jimmy. Jimmy's, if you know our story, Jimmy's only two. So five years ago, Jimmy wasn't around. Um, no, no, we, we had a fur baby. We had our first puppy, our first dog. And uh, his name is Cash. And Cash is a Springer Spaniel Border Collie. He is a Sprolly, they call it. So he's a Springer Collie. And uh, back when, when Cash was one year old, he was so full of energy because he's a working dog. And um, we used to take him for two walks a day, morning and night. And for those of you who have come over to our house and met Cash, you're like, that's what he's like after two walks? Sheesh, this is, he's an intense dog. He is a lot of energy. And so what happened is I used to have a routine every morning. I used to get up, I used to walk down to this little cove we've got near our house, a beach. And I used to let Cash have a big swim. And then we used to come back to the car and I used to, because he's a working dog, I trained him that I'd send him up into the hill and I'd just send him left and right. I'd just whistle and say left, right, and just make him run backwards and forwards and left and right and zooming around in between the trees. And I wasn't making him chase anything or anything like that. I was just, I was just making it up. And so just left, right, off we go. And just, I'd just stand there and watch him do all the work, which was great. And this couple walk behind me on the track. And I look across and it's a, it's a, it's a mother and a daughter. A mother and a son, sorry, mother and a son. And their conversation, I can hear their conversation as they come past, and I sort of say, oh, good morning. And they say, morning. And as they walk behind me and past me, I hear the, the son say to his mother these words. Mom, can we take the TV and the Xbox to the caravan this year? To which the mother replies, rightly so, No. You have enough screens all year. You're not taking it to the place that we're trying to get away from those things. And as they carry on walking, this like, oh, but mom, like this sort of, you know, conversation keeps happening as they go out of earshot. But I heard them literally as they walked past and it was like a gift from the Lord. I was standing there watching my dog, hearing that conversation. And immediately after that, I felt the Lord say to me something very clearly. It doesn't happen to me very often, but even this morning at the 9 a.m., I almost could sense him saying it to me yet again. That's how real this moment was for me. I felt his words to me were these, Dan, you keep doing that very thing. I have made a space for you to enter rest, and you keep bringing your work with you. You keep doing the same thing. I have made a space for you. And you keep bringing your work with you. Now, now I've been following Jesus a long time, and I knew exactly what he was saying to me in that moment. I knew exactly what was going on. This was a moment of Sabbath. He was talking about Sabbath. He was talking about a space in which I was invited to receive rest, where I was invited to let things go, to stop being the maker of everything, and to enter into the embrace of the maker himself. But the confession I have for you is that I was completely useless at this, absolutely useless at it. But this point, 2015, December, standing there watching my dog, hearing the Lord say that to me, that is my origin point and my starting point of deciding to give this 
practice a way better crack. And so I, I began. So 2015 through to 2018, I started to try and get to the bottom of this thing called Sabbath. So I read lots. I got Walter Brueggemann books. I got Eugene Peterson books. I read everything I could get my hands on in regards to this idea of Sabbath. I read The Contemplative Pastor. I read all of the stuff that I could find that said, this is what Sabbath can look like. So I learned lots. I got my mental ascent up there. I listened to lots. I found every podcast I could. I watched every YouTube video I could find of a decent teacher on this thing. I tried to get to the bottom of it. I stumbled my way through so many attempts at it. I justified my way through my excuses and not being able to do it. I had some very small victories and I had a lot of big fails. Several years of trying to practice this practice and it would not ultimately work. And I came to the conclusion of something because when we try these things long enough, this is what usually find, we find happening. Underneath everything is a deeper reality. And underneath the reality of me not being able to Sabbath was this haunting guilt. And what it was, was that I found myself as a hard worker. And as a hard worker, I had this mentality that was I felt guilty when I stopped producing. I felt guilty when I stopped making things. I stopped when I stopped having the KPIs. I couldn't shake this feeling of guilt. And there's a reason for that. And I don't, I don't expect you to share in my uh, feeling of that, but I'll share it with you anyway for vulnerability and transparency today. When you work for a church, as I have for nearly over 15 years now, when you work for a church, you work for a community that runs on an ecosystem of generosity. The way this community works is that people give to it. And by giving, you're giving your finances. You're giving some money to this. And we don't take that lightly. You see... Your generosity pays for my paycheck, which pays for my mortgage. You're parting with money that would pay your bills so that I can pay mine. And I don't take that lightly. Every cent that you give, every dollar that's passed in, we want to, be, we want to make that, that, that money fruitful here in this community. And so that's how those four years went. I worked hard every single day. I worked hard even though I was paid part-time. I worked like I was full-time. And when a day came to stop, I would try my best to stop, but underneath it all, I would just feel that I should keep on working, and so I did. You know, the worst sort of thing started to creep up and come out of me. On days that we were meant to have off, Gab would find me sneaking another email. This is, I'm really airing the dirty laundry here this morning, guys. And a fight would ensue, because yet again, I'm on my phone. Yet again. You're looking at that screen yet again. Can't you be present with me for just 10 minutes? Or well, one of the worst ones was when I had to awkwardly lie to her around, well, I didn't lie, I just sort of gave, I didn't sort of share all the details <laughs> about having to meet with someone for coffee pastorally on our day off because I'd made an appointment that I couldn't say no to with them. I couldn't draw a line in the sand and say, no, actually, this is a boundary. This is my day off. I'm sorry, I can't meet with you. And it just, it just was these, all these little behaviors kept coming out that underneath the surface just said, you can't stop, can you? Just a little side note there. If you have terrible boundaries with your phone and your diary like I did, it's a sign that we probably need to pay attention to this a little bit better. You know, I felt that I had to work because I felt I had to validate what was be, I was being paid to do. 
by people's generosity. I thought that was a good motive. I've done the reading. I knew that Sabbath would be good for me. I knew it was theologically right. I knew it would be fruitful. But I just couldn't get it to work for me. Because I couldn't stop work for it. And then, in 2019, there was this moment for me that completely changed everything. In 2019, we brought over... um, John Mark Comer, to come and visit New Zealand. And we held an event called Formatio. Some of you might have come along to that. It was an event we held. We teamed up with St. Augustine's, our friends, and we, we put on this event for everybody about exploring formation. And then the day after that was Sunday, and we had him at church. He spoke at church, and it was really, really good. He did this great talk about unhurrying and all that sort of stuff. But the best bit was on Monday through to Wednesday, we, we grabbed him with some friends. We got some other pastors that we're friends with. And we went away for a retreat, a small retreat with just him. And with that, we kicked around a pretty big idea. He led us through this idea. It's from Pete Scazzaro. The idea is this. As goes the leader, goes the church. As goes the leader, goes the church. Leaders with junk ultimately end up leading communities full of junk. Leaders who work hard to become people who are rested and slow and gentler and joyful, ultimately, they see communities of those same traits. And so he kicked us around with us for a few days, and we did the hard work of conversation around this and exploring how the heck do we be great leaders for the sake of great churches, healthy leaders for healthy churches, content leaders for content churches? How do we be fruitful leaders for fruitful churches? We, we asked all of these big questions. None of it was a KPI of how do you grow your church bigger? None of it was, that was not the conversation. The conversation was how do we as leaders have integrity so that our churches would have integrity? And anyway, I was having a little conversation over the dinner table with John Mark. And I said, this is great, John Mark, but like, what do I actually have to do to make this work? And he said, oh, you need Sabbath. So I was like, no. <laughs> no, I'm trying. Like, I'm trying so hard. And it doesn't work. I think it's my personality type. Like, it must be my personality type. It just doesn't work for me. I'm an Enneagram 7. Does it work for Enneagram 7s? Tell me. Look through your research and tell me if it works. for. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe that's my problem. Like, like why can't this work? And he said, ah, Dan, is there things that you delight in? I said, yeah, there's things I delight in, of course. I've got some things that I absolutely love doing. And I told him some of the things that I love doing. He said, you know, like, what do you love doing with, with Gab? Like, what's, what's a great moment with Gab? And I told him. I just told him a few things. And he looked at me. And, and I've learned to see this look from him a couple of times now. And he had this look of, like, you've found the, the problem. He said, Dan, when you Sabbath, you must do what will bring you delight. And it was like this key suddenly unlocked all of my problems. It was like the whole thing was about to suddenly work. No one had framed it in delight for me before. No one had told me that it was meant to be the super enjoyable experience. Like no one had kind of done that. And so suddenly the whole feeling of being 
feeling guilty about Sabbath kind of evaporated. And it turned out that actually what I was spending my whole life doing was feeling guilty about this. And Jesus didn't want me to. He wanted to give me rest from that very thing, that very feeling. And in that moment, this burst of healing, it's what I would call it, this burst of healing, like a miracle shot into my life, shot into my mindset, and it changed the way I thought about the whole thing. Suddenly, we were off. And 2019 was a year like no other. It was this amazing year of carving out a Friday, a day, 24 hours with my wife and my little boy to make sure that we protected ourselves and we lived with integrity to this thing of Sabbath, this restful moment for our week. Now, we had a few moments of missing it due to you know, taking a wedding or something special, but we always recovered it the next week. We, it was like we were in the groove and it was suddenly working. We found great practices to do together. We enjoyed the day and we would long at the end of the day for the next one. We'd find ourselves just like, I cannot wait till next week. That has just done such a great work in me. We would live with a slower pace for the day. I was actually present and aware of her and my boy. And we would not buy things. We'd not shop. We would cook and eat something delicious. We would pray. Man, I prayed some of the longest times of prayer on my Sabbath. It was stunning. We would have moments of consideration, of deeply thinking about our life. We would have moments of writing. I filled a journal last year of all the stuff that just happened on Fridays. This one practice of Sabbath meant that we got to the end of last year and we had full tanks for God. We had full tanks for our family and we had full tanks for this church. That is literally a quote from our our board report as the co-leaders to our board last year. I pulled it out of there. Last year, when we were reporting at the end of 2019, this was our takeaway. Thanks to Sabbath, the Sheeds have full tanks for God, family and church. And then 2020 came along and the whole thing got very wobbly very quickly. Lockdown was no Sabbath in the Sheed household. Lockdown number two definitely wasn't. I, like so many of you, I suspect, spent my lockdowns now feeling like I was sort of in a full-time Sabbath but not really experiencing any of the goodness of it, thrust upon me, and it wasn't fitting very well. And I came to the conclusion very quickly, no, this isn't Sabbath. This isn't the thing I experienced. This is different. This is a lockdown. <laughs> and then amongst that, our what used to be Sabbath, our Fridays, suddenly became church production day. And we went on this learning curve, this quick learning curve of suddenly having to learn how the heck do you take a community that can't meet in real life and do something online for them? So my Fridays became this. I'd wake up, I would prep the last of my talk, and then we would get Jimmy to his nap. We'd put him in bed, and quickly while he was in bed, we'd set up a video camera. Um, I'd quickly do my hair. I'd sit down. Gab would focus it. And then she'd take the dog for a walk so that the dog wasn't um, too much of a pain because some of you would have noticed in the videos that he popped up a couple of times. And we're like, got to stop that. So uh, she would go for a walk and I would have like 40 minutes to stare down the barrel of a camera and like give it my best shot to do this teaching. And then after that was finished, we'd pack all the stuff up. I'd send the little video clip off to Dylan, who was here filming for the home gatherings this morning. Um, and then he would edit it. And then I'd send it, you know, we'd have to kind of go through a little edit phase. And we'd put the slides in and, and we'd like check them all. And then on Saturday, we'd have to load them up. And then on um, Saturday night, we'd get all the comms ready to send to you. And then on Sunday morning, we'd put it live. We'd have to hit live and turn all these things on the website that were hidden. And, and like suddenly, like those two days, instead of being like two enjoyable days with my family and then going to church, they became this sudden like, 
like I'm like some IT web producing content. Like this is not what I signed up for. There's not a book that you can buy that's like, hey, pastor, here's how you take your church online, you know? If there was, I would have loved to have known about it, but it doesn't exist. Like, we went on this learning curve that we had never seen coming. And as a result, we ended up with the mission of that season robbing us of the hard work and beautiful things we'd experienced the year before. Our Sabbath didn't survive. And add to that, for the last couple of years, we've had a very serious long-term health battle in our immediate family. And uh, this year, it took a turn again, and it got very difficult. Add to that, um, in the first lockdown, our house uh, water pipe started to burst, and so we had to, to quickly uh, sort that out. And just recently, we had to do a reno that we couldn't really afford um, to fix the problems. Add to that, our toddler, does he definitely does not... Um, He's not fueled by Sabbath. He's fueled by cocaine, I'm sure. He, that kid is changing very rapidly. And uh, I struggle to keep up. And I'm feeling very old. And uh, it's getting harder every week, like you just saw. Like even transitioning at church is like, Ugh, this is getting tricky. Suddenly I have to parent. I'm not just keeping a little kid alive. I'm actually having to parent. And it's hard. And as I finish 2020... I am exhausted. I'm absolutely exhausted. And I'm okay. Like This is not a resignation talk or anything like that, just in case you're getting nervous. Some of you are like, I wish it was. No. <laughs> but I'm exhausted. Because the practice that was so fruitful in 2019 has been hijacked. And I'm just, I'm worse for it. Man, it was doing some good stuff for me. I have not got to experience like that. And I know, I know that there will be those of you in the room who feel very in a similar way. I know that there will be. I know that there's some, some of you who, this has been a massive year of, uh, of adapting. It's been a massive year of living in hope. It's been a massive year of suffering. I just know there's so many stories. I know that those are the stories sitting in the room today. I know that. I know we're sitting here just like yearning. For this thing to change. And that's called exhaustion. It's called we're tired. And we, we need a Sabbath. We need Sabbath. So what is Sabbath? What's it going to do? And why is it the antidote to what I'm talking about today? Well, allow me just to take this next little bit of the talk just to, to teach into this for a bit. We need Sabbath. So what is Sabbath? Well, Sabbath is a word about time. It's a word about time. And in particular, it's especially uh, talking about what we actually do with time. It's a word speaking about this very important currency that we all have in our lives, and we've been spending it all week. Time. Here's the, here's the truth. We don't like wasting it, do we? We don't like wasting time. And so the first rub when it comes to Sabbath is that we actually have to waste some precious time. We have to waste it in being choosing not to be productive and choosing to spend it another way. And as we spend that time in a different way, here are the four ways we spend it if we are truly doing Sabbath. We spend it on stopping. Now, if you're, if you're 
if you're typing on your phone and it autocorrects to shopping, it's stopping, all right? It's not spending it on shopping, it's spending it on stopping. We actually don't shop. It's one of the things we do on the Sabbath. We choose to not buy into that consumeristic stuff. We, we stop it for a day. We do something different. We spend time on resting. We spend time on delighting. And we spend time on worshiping. And here's the, here's the thing. It's all four of these things. Okay, Sabbath is all four, this beautiful merging of all four of those things happening in one day, one morning, one hour, whatever it's going to look like for you to begin to do this. I would say that if you took one of those things out and only had three, I don't think that you're actually engaging in true biblical Sabbath. And I would say if you're just doing one or two of those things, you're just doing those one or two things. Sabbath is all four together. And so let's just have a glimpse through each of these things a little bit and just see what they look like, just to kind of get a bit of a portrait going here. Stopping. It's the first one. We have to spend some time on stopping. Now, our lives are so busy and they're so crammed and they're so scheduled that a change like observing the Sabbath would be such a huge disruption, wouldn't it? And I think perhaps that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. You know, if you open magazines and you, or Instagram and you see the images of, of a person relaxing on the beach on the islands, or if you see a couple in bathrobes happily having breakfast in a hotel, you know, why is that so compelling? It's compelling because we all want to stop. And sadly, marketers have figured out, yeah, we all want it, so now let's try and figure out how to sell it. They're actually selling us Sabbath, which is just mind-boggling. They're selling us something that we actually are naturally meant to have. You know, they've tapped into this thing that ultimately we all want to stop and we all want to rest, and they're trying to get us to pay money for it. Now, Genesis 1 through to 2 gives us this beautiful little movement here. God made, God spoke and created, God worked, and He got these things done. And then God as the creator on the seventh day stopped. He stopped. God Himself worked and stopped. Walter Brueggemann, in his book, Uh, Sabbath as resistance, he says this, Sabbath is work stoppage. It is a refusal to be identified by productivity. Sabbath is saying no to the culture of now. Oh, Brueggemann. (sighs) Let's just take that in for a moment, shall we? Sabbath is work stoppage. It is a refusal to be identified by productivity. Sabbath is saying no to the culture of of now. Often in the gospel accounts, we see Jesus doing this very thing. Jesus got away. Jesus left the crowds. Jesus got alone for prayer. Jesus would have meals and dinners with friends when ministry was pounding outside on the streets. Like he would stop. Even though his ministry was such a raging success, he would unplug and he would get away. And this summer, we as a community are about to do the same thing. As a community, we stop Central Vineyard for four weeks. Once we have our all-in next Sunday, it's over for a few weeks. We take time to stop because we must practice this, what we're saying. It would be a bit hypocritical to say, oh, we love Sabbath, but we're going to keep going all summer. Keep moving the train forward. Like, that's not the point. No, no, we actually practice this thing and we stop. We place ourselves in that practice together. And it's our active participation of Sabbath to do so. Secondly, we spend time on resting. You know, Exodus 33 says that God, with his people, when he was leading them, he said to them, as you go, I will go with you. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So as we go, 
He will give us rest. And then in Matthew 11, Jesus actually turns around a little bit of this. And instead of it, as you go, I will give you rest. He says, oh, actually, come to me, all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. The same idea here, the same idea of shalom being given, but at the same time, it's changed. It's not about the fact that we go with God. It's actually the fact that Jesus is saying, come to me, come to me, come to this place. Rest is different to stopping. Stopping is to action inactivity, but resting, resting is to receive replenishment. So stopping is the action to choose to stop, but rest is actually what we engage with when we find ourselves at the stop. We will receive replenishment. And many of us stop and we don't rest. I know I'm so guilty of this and have been for so many years. I stop and binge, or I stop and numb. Or I stop and zone out, right? Isn't that just what like a night of watching Netflix ultimately is? I'm trying to get away. I'm trying to stop. But ultimately, I'm just watching a Netflix show and binging it. It's not like it's actually replenishing me. Although the crown is pretty good, I guess, you know. Like. But we stop. And actually, in the stopping, we notice just how unrested we are, don't we? Suddenly, it shows up. And for me, my body starts to show that. I actually find myself, even on holidays, I'll get a few days in and I'm, I'm, turning, I'm becoming sick because my body is kind of starting to protest what's going on here and playing catch up. And for me, it's always evident in my holiday timeline. You know, the first couple of days, I'm edgy. I'm still checking my phone all the time. It's like, oh, I think I'm missing something. And then actually what happens is a couple of days after that, ask my wife about this, I get very grumpy. I get very agitated because I'd rather be at work, because I'd rather be doing something. Like this is all of it coming out, right? It's kind of like spilling out in this detox. It's like, I'm not producing something. This is not making anything happen. And it starts to turn into this ugly little attitude sitting in the driver's seat of our car. Gab has had a few words about that to me over the years. Old habits die hard. Stopping from our productivity takes a while for us to acclimatize to this. And my body fighting it is always a big alarm bell to say something is not right here. Something is not right here. And I know the difference when I've had a good proper rest, a good one, and I show up to work from that place. I know the difference when I arrive here and I've had a great time away with God and my family. I know the difference when I show up on Sunday and Friday was great. It creates a whole new different expectation in me, and I'm really ready to go. Because that's actually what this is meant to do. Good rest is meant to lead to great work. So a little, little side note here. Some people have begun to practice Sabbath, and that's a good thing. But as a result, what they do is they radically swing the pendulum right over to that side and say, I'm pulling out of everything. I'm only going to rest. I'm not going to do anything of contribution. Uh, I've had friends who are pastors who gave everyone the John Mark Comer book, um, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And then for months afterwards have been receiving emails from the congregation members being like, great book. I'm actually going to pull out of church as a result. And uh, we're not going to do anything. And I haven't got any of those emails from any of you. Thank you so, so much. But it's what happens when the pendulum gets swung so far into this corner. We were not designed to only live in rest. We were designed to rest and work. This is actually how it's meant to work. We are designed to work from a place of rest, not just rest from our work. 
And so in John 15, we see Jesus giving this little portrait of discipleship, and he says, you are to abide in me, and then you are to bear kingdom fruit. We are to abide to bear. That's how this works. We're actually to find this rhythm of these two places and these two actions, resting and working. Because after all, we sleep, don't we, to then get up. We don't just live in bed. We eat a good meal to expel the energy, don't we? We breathe in to breathe out. And so it is with rest and work. We're not just to live in restful time. We're to find a good rhythm of both. And so which brings me to after we stop and we rest, we delight. And I, I called the talk this today, Sabbath as delight, because this was the one that changed it for me. When I was just trying to do those first two, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. In fact, it actually just became harder and more legalistic for me. And here's the game changer, this one. This is the title for today because in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is having a confrontation about the Sabbath with the Pharisees. And he ends the conversation by saying this. He says, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This is so, so important. It's not the other way around. We were made to then find a space with God in this restful space He has made. It's not like there's some sort of Sabbath keeper ticking those of us who attended and those of us who haven't shown up. That's not how this works. Oh, you did it on Saturday. No, it's meant to be done on Sunday. You know, like that's not how, forget that. That's just legalistic rubbish. What it's about is it's a space that God has made for us to enter to find freedom. It's not legalism. It's a space. It's a practice. And he set this side apart for a purpose. The story of the Sabbath originates in the people of God as they've come out of their life in Egypt. And all they've known for generations is how to be a slave. All they've known is how to build bricks, make bricks, and build Egypt's empire. And if they didn't do it fast enough, if they didn't do it hard enough, they got whipped, they got beaten. And that's how the world works as far as they were concerned. And so God is reprogramming them. God's giving them a new way to see what it is to be human. And he's teaching them that's not how this works. You're not what you make. You're not what you produce. You are loved. And I love you. You are my beloved. And that is what this space does. It takes us out of this moment of being like, I am what I make. I am what I build. I'm a slave in this consumeristic um, moment of history. And it takes us into a new story and it reframes us and says, no, 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 no. You are a lover. You are a human being. You have desires. You need a rest. And so we take a day and we do what lovers would do rather than what machines would do. And as John Mark Comer put it to me that day, you have to find what you delight in and do that. You know, we must resist the guilt of stopping. We must resist this, this moment of going, I'm not producing something. And we must push through to find a practice where we are enjoying and delighting in God. Now, in the church practices, this goes really nicely to another one of the practices that we were talking about last week, which is the discipline of celebration. The discipline of celebration, which is actually a Christian practice. Sometimes we need to choose to, dis, uh, to, to celebrate which is to choose to practice joy. And so it goes really nicely with that because that's actually what's going on here. As we Sabbath, we are choosing another practice, which is I'm going to find a moment of joy here. And so a good Sabbath should have a lot of pleasure stacking is what the term is. Let me just flick forward. There we go. Pleasure stacking. 
We stack in this bunch of things that give us pleasure and we do them. You know, my wife and I and our dog, we've had to keep walking him because he's such an energetic little, little dog. And, um, and so when we walk him in the morning before work, we are pounding our way through this because we have to get home and get showered and get in the car and get to work. Like there's a lot of pressure on our morning walk. But on Fridays, on Fridays when we are choosing to take our moment for Sabbath, we are actually going, you know what? We don't have to hurry this. We can enjoy this. This can just be a good walk. And so we go for a good walk. And we've asked ourselves this question every time. I ask her, she asks me, what are you grateful for this week? What are you grateful for this week? And it could be something in our marriage. It could be something in our parenting. It could be something in our church community. It could be something just from any ordinary life moment. What are you grateful for? And we practice that together as we walk. We take stock of what we're delighting in. We take stock of what's been going well, what we're grateful for. Um, the other things we do is just really simple things like we make sure that we, um, we cook uh, some pancakes with Jimmy for the breakfast in the morning once we get back. We just take our time. We, we make our way through the morning. We take time for prayer. We take time to get away with God. We take time to do that for each other. And because we're parenting a little toddler, we actually literally have to tag team that. Like, it's your turn now. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll go after you. You, know, you go spend time with God. I'll spend time with God after that. And I'll, I'll take care of him. I know when Rob and Alicia started doing this, uh, they loaded up a big, they made a big epic Sunday with their girls, just ice cream and lots of chocolate syrup. And I guess, I guess you made it for the girls, eh? not you, Rob. I guess like, you know, a bit of both. But like just this epic moment to gather around and to enjoy. You know, the Sabbath was around a meal. The Sabbath was around this moment of hospitality together. And that's what it feels like to pleasure stack that day. Find some rich things to delight in. Eugene Peterson says, Sabbath is a day to play and pray. Sabbath is a day to play and pray. Which brings us really nicely to the last one. We spend time worshiping. We spend time worshiping. Now, if you stopped at delighting, if you listened to that part of my talk and then walked out, you'd probably go live a very self-indulgent Sabbath. Yeah? This is the counterbalance to that one. It's not just about pleasure stacking and doing what we need to do to feel good and to enjoy the day and God's provision in our lives. We're also called to go and immerse ourselves in God's reality because that's what true worship is after all, isn't it? True worship is Romans 12 stuff. It's a life lived with the attention of God, a life lived for the glory of God. Or as the Westminster Catechism puts it, uh, the chief end of man is to glorify him and enjoy him forever. You know, that's the chief thing that we have to do with our lives in discipleship is we have to become life, a life with God, enjoying God and enjoying uh, what uh, he's put into our lives. On this day of Sabbath, when we rest and we delight it's also a day to glorify. And so turning our attention to God in an hour of prayer, or if you're musical, maybe grabbing a guitar and sitting and singing a couple of your favorite songs with God. Or maybe if you are maybe more of a reflective person, grabbing a candle and putting it on the dinner table and lighting it and reading some scripture at the start of the day. Or maybe it's um, reading a benediction. There's plenty of beautiful Sabbath benedictions as you begin the day or end that day. Or maybe it's going for a decent walk and just getting to one of those views where you look out over creation and go, Rather than just looking at this view, I'm just going to make sure I behold the Creator for a moment and taking that in for what it could be. These are moments on that day that help us change from it being self-indulgent 
to becoming a, a thing that immerses us back into God's grand story where he is our good king. And so remember, it's all four of these things. It's time spent stopping. It's time spent resting. It's time spent delighting. And it's time spent worshiping. And I call today Sabbath as delight. Because for me, that was the one that revolutionized all of this for me. And so the question I want to ask for you is if you had the microphone and you were doing this talk today and you'd pulled this together and it was somewhat biographical for you, which of those would you have called it? Have you experienced the goodness of stopping in amongst this world? Have you experienced rest in a real way, not just a shallow numbing, but actually a deep rest of God's presence? Have you experienced what it is to delight and to enjoy God's creation? Have you experienced what it is to turn your affection and attention back to God? Which, which one would be important to you that you would have spoken about? But also the question I have for you is, and which one needs work? Which one needs attention? Which one? You know, because for me, Delight may have unlocked this whole thing for me, but I found myself at the end of this year going, oh my goodness, I actually just need to do the first two again. I need to get back to stopping and resting. I've lost the ability to even stop. I need to recover that. This year has beaten me up on that one. And so as we go into summer, I want to encourage you to prepare yourself for what's ahead. Good preparation makes all the difference when it comes to a good Sabbath. They actually need to be prepped, put in our diary and cleared out and protected. It actually needs to be thought about and curated. You might need to go and buy a really good notebook, a new one that smells of a great stationery shop. Ah, I love that smell. Maybe you have to go and do that so you can enjoy a good Sabbath this summer and spend time with God reflecting and considering. Maybe you need to go and buy some good homemade ingredients so you can make some great meals rather than rushing out and always going to the cafes. Maybe, maybe you need to make a plan to go and spend some time walking somewhere that you haven't walked in quite a while. I don't know what it is for you, but prepare yourself. Because my best Fridays have not just happened. They've come when I've spent the days leading up to it getting ready and preparing my heart and preparing our home accordingly. You know, ahead of us is a unique opportunity where the whole country is about to grind to a stop. It's about to cease and it's about to stop. And all across the country, from coast to coast, we're going to be on a summer break. So many things are going to stop in this time. Some of us are going to stop work. Some of us have got holidays booked in. Some of us are going to do some traveling, go around and see some people around the country. And I want to ask, how will you use this time ahead? to practice some Sabbath in whatever little way you can to get this thing started. Maybe it's a moment each day. Maybe it's a moment each week. Whatever it needs to be for you, how are you going to do it? To use my opening story one last time, what's the metaphorical TV and the Xbox that you would try to drag to the caravan this year? And can you right now prepare to intercept it? Can you uh, this could be the moment when you cut it off at the pass and you preparedly put it away so that it would not be present to you this summer so that you can engage in Sabbath. And be assured, it will probably be pretty painful to put it away because as all good crutches are, we've learned how to lean on them pretty good. And so I can vouch for this. The pain is worth it. Because as you put it away and learn how not to depend on it, you find yourself beginning to walk instead in freedom.
And so one last thing I want to ask you as you prepare and think about Sabbath for the summer, and that is this. Could you also spend some of the time praying for us? Could you pray for the team here at Central Vineyard? Could you consider us in your prayers as you think of the summer break? Because as I shared earlier, we are tired. We are exhausted. No one wrote a manual on how to do this. And for those of you who have been around for the whole year, you know we've adapted a lot. We've changed a lot. We've tried a bunch of things. We've experimented. Experimenting is costly and it's hard. It takes energy and it takes resource. And we just want to ask you that as you hold us this summer in your hearts, could you be praying for us? Because we too need a good rest. We too are weary in so many ways. And we would love our community to be holding us together in prayer. That we may come back in 2021 rested and ready to work hard again for the king and his kingdom, for his purposes in Tamaki Makoto, and that the life and the way of Jesus would be again exemplified here in this community. And so together, may we go to the one who says, come to me, you who have heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. If you could pray anything for us this summer, for Dan, for Gab, for Rob, for Leash, for Ella, for Shelley, for Tori, for Patrick, for Ants, uh, for Emma. Uh, I hope I haven't forgotten anyone, but hopefully there's no one. Sarah, and for Nick. Um, if you could pray anything for those people, for us, I would ask you to pray simply this. Lord, can you give them rest? Just please pray that for us this summer, that we would enjoy some good burden-lifting time with our God and our families. May we become a people who delight, delight in Sabbath. My heart for this church, for this community, my longing is that when people bump into someone from Central Vineyard, they would say, they're walking to the beat of a different drum, those people. Why aren't they hurried? Why aren't, they, why aren't they sort of anxious and fl- you know, flaky and flitty? Why are they so, so more secure and thought and considered? What's going on in them? And I believe that it's the practice of Sabbath as one of the practices that would actually cultivate in us a spirit of rest and that would have integrity to that in our lives. Next week, we aren't here. Just a last reminder. Next week, we're going to be all together for a big Christmas gathering at Curate. That's going to be at 10 o'clock at Curate Church in Kingsland. But also, what we're going to be doing for the next several weeks while we're not here is that we have got a podcast prepared that's going to come up every Sunday morning in our podcast feed, and it's Reflections on Sabbath. It's just to continue this conversation that this moment has started. So even while we're spread out across the country resting and, and, and holidaying, we still want to be connected for those several weeks. And so every Sunday, tune into our podcast. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. A little reflection is going to pop up, audio, a little 15-minute audio thing for you to reflect on your Sabbath as you're doing this wherever you are. Sound good? Goodbye. Let's stand. It too. And I'd love to pray for you today as we finish up. Lord, it's your presence that we seek. It's your presence that we desire. And all of this, all of this talk about practices and 
Sabbath and ways of doing life with you, they're just wineskins at the end of the day. They're just ways of holding this. Lord, we, we desire the wine. We desire your presence. And so we take a deep breath in and we welcome your work in us. Lord, come and do a good work in us this summer. Lord, as we rest, Lord, as we get away, Lord, as we stop, and whatever that looks like, Lord, would you cultivate in us a spirit of rest? Would we become rested people? And would the fruit of that rest come out into our lives? Father, may your name be kept holy and may your kingdom come soon. May as it is in your kingdom, a kingdom of security, a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of shalom where everything is right, where there is no worry, there's no anxiety, there's no flicking left or right. There's just assuredness. Lord, in that kingdom, may it come into our lives. And may you make us people of that kind of being in the world. May you protect us from the evil one who would want to rob us and take us off this path. The devil doesn't have to do much work when we're already so busy. So Lord, protect us from being busy. Protect us from wasting and spending our time in ways that are not going to be beneficial. And Lord, may we wrangle control on our calendars. May we be able to get these things into line. And Lord, may this be life-giving. Lord, I know it's life-giving because it's been so life-giving for me. Lord, may it be life-giving. May it bring about new fruit in our lives. May it make us new and different people, we pray. So as we go into a summer and a time of stopping, God, God, we, we make that a space for you to do your work. Make you, we make that a space for you to do something beautiful. And as we prepare and look forward to coming back in 2021, God, I pray that there'd be fruit in our lives as a result of something experienced over the summer break. I pray we'd experience some things. I, I pray prophecies would be given. I pray that words would be written down. Lord, I pray that senses of vision and hope would rise as we put ourselves in a place of being present with you. May that come, I pray. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, we pray together. Amen.